0: No purchase necessary Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised.
0: 141 Bienvenidos Bitches <laughs> And Buiti Binafi And thank you For listening yeah. Food Is a podcast About true crimes Committed by people of color And the victims That we don't hear Or know much about Contrary to popular belief Not All Serial killers Are straight Cis White Able-bodied Dudes what? Now, there are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news is racist.
1: Allegedly. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, a Black Latinx woman. And I'm Beth, and I just happen to be white. It's not her fault, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> we are not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to Pod at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 602 and we may feature it on a future episode. Also.
0: Awesome. Our website is fruitloopspod.com And we use Fruit Loops Pod for all our social media The footnotes for each episode Can be found on our website Plus check it out for the different ways That you can support the show And become a Fruit Loops patron yeah. So who- are we talking about today Beth. today
1: we're talking about the cook brothers anthony and nathaniel cook Mm. who were serial killers located in toledo ohio this subject was suggested to us by ryan and it was researched and written by my sister minnie
0: what's up minnie (laughs) (laughs) first of all yes and also (laughs) yes minnie um by the way uh, I know we'll get into it. Toledo is a spot on the Great Migration, uh-huh. uh, and the Menendez brothers are in the news because of TikTok. What? TikTok has revived the Menendez brothers' story. Huh? So the Cook brothers and the Menendez brothers. What? A, huh. Who would have thought? at the same time look at that uh so before we get into it how you
1: doing I'm doing great yeah much better so I was sick and now I'm feeling better and and I'm in Canada visiting yes. my sister Minnie. Yeah. you can hear
0: it I can hear it in your voice I love it I, I want to feel hug. so much better yeah. I want to hug your the, the sound waves Aww. you just sound you. so wonderful I'm happy for you thank you so how yes. are you doing Good. Uh, Do they celebrate Thanksgiving? I know... They've said more about the colonization fuckery in Canada than we have down here in the United States. But what what goes on up there? So
1: they have a Thanksgiving, but it's in October. Okay. Um, so it's a lot earlier. It's before Halloween. So right after Halloween, they go straight into Christmas. So oh. that's pretty cool. But I think their Thanksgiving is not a, b- as big of a deal as it is in the United States. And I don't uh. know what the story is behind it. But um, a lot of cultures have fall harvest. Kind of festival feasts. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, that's how I think of Thanksgiving anymore. Not celebrating the colonizers, but just like a, a fall harvest. That's my
0: white friend, everybody. That's her. <laughs> that's her over there. She's amazing. Yep. That's my friend. <laughs> to see it. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. So uh, so you're chilling in Canada. Chilling love, in Canada. Love to see I, it. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm so happy that you are there. Me I know too. you wish you could be there It's more. been
1: two years since, or almost two years since I've seen Minnie. So, no uh, yeah. Way. Yeah, when I got off the plane and went through customs and everything, and came out the other end and saw Minnie, oh, we both ran to each other. Yeah, it was did. it was pretty oh cool. My
0: yeah. God. <laughs> when my brothers see me, they run away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a little different. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, it's Wendy.
0: Yeah. I'm always so excited. I love them so much. (laughs) They are are not having it. Oh man. That's so cool. You ran to each other like a movie. Just like a movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, I don't know what to say. Uh, that's fantastic. So we had an, an un-thanks- un-thanksgiving here with some friends. Okay oh, get it. Um, and uh, we you know acknowledged the land that we we're on, which right. is Hohokam and Otum land uh, that we occupied and we all acknowledged the genocide and the enslavement at the hands of colonizers. And um, we, my daughter, I worry about this one, but she brought her guinea pig over to our friend's house and uh, they, the kids were jumping on the trampoline with the guinea pig. Uh, I don't know if you're supposed to do that. Probably uh, turns out uh, when we fast forward to the end of the story, it turns out you're not. And uh, so the, the little girls, the kids uh, were coming up to the dinner table and uh, said, Uh-oh, "Uh Oh, the guinea pig is, uh, n- not moving. Oh, He's no, as no. limp as spaghetti. <laughs> oh no! And yes, he was. So we poured out a forty for uh our oh. good friend Oreo, the guinea pig. Um, and, but it was it, it was it was pretty horrifying. Yeah. Uh, but I think. It was just interesting to have acknowledged the genocide, that, and then the that, genocide that, of the, and the then guinea guinea. the genocide of the guinea <laughs> pig. I'm just saying, oh I God. don't know. Life, life is art. Art is life. I don't know what, <laughs> what, what, what is what, but uh, it was an interest. It definitely. Um, Really sealed the deal as far as the conversation (laughs) on genocide is concerned uh, Mm. for on Thanksgiving. So anyway, let's hear about your daughter's (laughs) guinea pig. You know what? Mm. Uh, PetSmart has a fourteen-day money-back guarantee. Oh my gosh! No more jumping on the trampoline, but Oreo has been replaced. Let's move (laughs) on to listener letters. (laughs) (laughs) by the way, are you going to get a trampoline for your, it's I'm telling you, Besides, don't just don't put a, don't put a guinea pig on it, but okay.
1: Okay. I made the suggestion to my daughter and then it's up, it's up to her what she wants to do. So Uh 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 I'm not going to make that. I got to say the fans, (laughs) the
0: fans are really rooting for you. We're getting, we're getting, uh, (laughs) we are. Thank you guys for looking out. Um, Because I got to say for my mental health and I consider myself somebody who is also neurodivergent, the trampoline is a good, break outlet yeah, a good outlet um for me especially during the pandemic i Um, made the suggestion and i did get a lot of we did get
1: a lot of uh messages we got a lot of ladies with Mm -hmm. like uh suggestions for trampolines one of them was an indoor trampoline yes yes ma'am uh i I, uh gave that information to my daughter and then she'll make the decision i'm not gonna you know uh it's it's her kid so
0: yeah yeah oh right (laughs) oh right oh that's right i don't want to
1: be one of those moms Mom said uh, you know what by the way, we're getting a trap
0: away. Oh, oh You are the you are the fifth okay if you weren't my friend i would want like seriously ask you to adopt me um i don't know if that i i don't know if that's possible i'm older i'm above and, and 18 you already have a moms and i do oh right <laughs> i do have a mom she's pretty great but uh i do always uh, that's always my first thought when i meet somebody really wonderful is can they? Adopt can they adopt me? Like me?
1: Yeah, how I mean, is there a law can can't we have more than one mom? Can we have yeah. more than one. Yeah, can we have kidding. lots of moms?
0: And, uh, and actually
1: we can, just not legally.
0: Okay. You love to see it. You love to see it, <laughs> folks. Uh Shout out to growing families uh, and trampolines. So we got what do we got, Beth? In that bag. So I wanted to <laughs> say thank you to Obi, Mimi
1: Linux, Curls NYC, T.J. Ooh. Monroe, Psycheneldes. Stu44, and Jonah B one for your five-star reviews. We got a Yay! lot of good reviews this week. We and did, and they brightened really our, day. really brighten our days. Really brightened our days. Yeah. Like, sometimes you're like, oh my god, I don't know if I can get through this day. And we reread re- re- <laughs> our boop, reviews, and yeah, we're like, boop, boop. okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to take take this day on
0: yes (laughs) yes absolutely thank you for being a fruity (laughs) travel down the road and back again thank you your five-star review is fantastic Um, and then what else we got?
1: In pyramids on IG said, Good morning. Great job with the podcast. I started from episode one and now I'm on episode 106. Oh. I'm hyped up, but I hear the growth. Keep it up. Oh, and hip hop air horns. Yeah. Thank you so much, Golden Pyramids, because. Um, that's another, you know, encouraging, uh, message that we love to hear because it yes. keeps, us, keeps us going. So it keeps you. us going.
0: We could not do this without any of you, your right. views, your kind words, your messages, your yeah. support on Patreon and, and all also the things. I wanted to
1: mention that Rondika in our Facebook group, love you, Rondika. Hello, she- sister friend. <laughs> She posted a message about how uh, you know w- when we were having some issues when I was sick and we were yeah. having trouble getting the the episodes posted on time. Yeah. She's like, you know, take care of yourself. So yes, oh, that really was really really kind. Yeah, yeah. so thank we, you, Ronica.
0: Yes, thank you, Ronica. She, she uh, Ronica. Here's another hip hop. I don't know it, wh- where are you keeping these? You have so many. <laughs> Yeah, I hope you got a bag for all your hip hop. I know.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Woo, and um, that's it. That oh, right. Oh, I love it. Now we have to talk about this because oh, we yeah. got a comment from someone about our Chai Su Vang ca- case that we covered in episode 73. And Beth, Which happened said, in Wisconsin. Yeah. It happened in Wisconsin. Kyle Rittenhouse's murdering grounds. Yes. Now, if you remember, that involved an Asian man who was, he was minding his own goddamn business hunting when four or five white vigilantes who could not mind their own business surrounded him and he killed several people. Um, And he was tried. He was convicted of murder. And uh, it, he's in prison. Now, the commenter said that we showed no remorse to the victims, that we got the facts wrong and that Chai Vang was not not, in fact, defending himself. This this person declared that Chai Vang was not defending himself. And Beth and I discussed this over what whatever app we used to talk to each other. And um. It was just interesting, especially if you juxtapose Chai Vang with the Kyle Rittenhouse case. It happened right. in the same state, y'all. Yeah. Uh, and Beth and I recalled we did not excuse Chai Vang's murderous behavior, right? Murder is not okay. Yeah. Um, But it was clear to us that this was—Chai Vang was an individual who was in fear for his life. And being surrounded by several white people, when you are a BIPOC person— and they've got weapons. Is one of the worst um, scenarios you could imagine. It's a nightmare, right. and um, there seems to be this white supremacist slash a uh, racist inability to see a BIPOC person as a human being for one, with rights for two, who is capable of being in fear for their life and acting upon that fear. And if just, I'm just posing the question: If Kyle Rittenhouse's name was Chai Wang House? Right? Or uh Kyrie Rittenhouse. Would the verdict have been the same? Probably That's all not. I'm saying. Yeah. Uh but uh just just asking for a friend. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, it's I mean it they happened in the same state. One of them's Asian, one of them's white. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Asian man was hunting when he mm-hmm. came across these uh, white folks. Uh-huh. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse had no business being in um, Kenosha. Right. His mama, his decrepit place. white
0: mama drove him to. Yeah, he, he, you've seen the photos, right? She uh, looks like she's... Um- <laughs> in her seventies, but I believe that. she's my age. Okay. He, you
1: know, he, uh, he was not from there. Uh, he wasn't defending his own business. You know, he mm-hmm. just decided to take a gun to another state, another mm-hmm. city that he didn't live in. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. Okay. So, uh, maybe he was in fear for his life and, mm-hmm. uh, that's why he killed these people, but mm-hmm. he had no business
0: being there. So right. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean the whole self-defense conversation um it morphs uh, it, it, remarkably when you when depending on the race of the person who right. is defending their themselves right. their 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 personhood their hu- their humanity their life and um it, it the the um the outcome is different um mm-hmm. when when that um is litigated right uh, and it is really and fucked i have up. to
1: say uh this this uh episode chai su vang um it, it's gotten the most comments than any other episode isn't that of, interesting yeah, yeah. And I, I really it, it, get so mad that uh-huh. we have any uh, sympathy for this guy. I
0: distinctly remember researching the case and recording the episode and saying, this is my worst nightmare. Being yeah. surrounded by yeah. several white people with weapons so, yeah. is so we're terrifying.
1: Empathizing with the situation that he uh-huh. was in, not saying that, um, you know, he should have done it or that he should have gotten away with it. We so, definitely yeah. did
0: not say that. No. We definitely did not say that. But so there, there again, you go chai vang house or Kyrie written house what <laughs> is it the same outcome yeah, yeah no. ask yourself. Ask, ask yourself,
1: yourself. <laughs> yeah yeah there you go uh, all right that's there we that.
0: Go. <laughs> so let's take a quick break and then we're going to get into the story when we come back episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the
1: first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour a day? Hmm. Spend more time with your kids? Go to the Hmm. gym?
0: Hmm. Work
1: on a hobby? take a nap? (laughs) Can you do all those things in 60
0: minutes? Just kidding. (laughs) You know, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But what we do with that time, we don't always know. But the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what it is. And therapy can help you figure that out. Find what matters to you most and make it a priority so that you can find the time to do more of it.
1: Yeah. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for everyone. Mm -hmm. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. And I've been in and out of therapy most of my life. Same. And it has had such a positive influence on my life that I honestly do not know who I would be without therapy. And I don't want (laughs) to (laughs) know.
0: I don't want to know either. (laughs) Listen, Bev and I have both used BetterHelp. Yeah. And we love it. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your
1: schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge.
0: Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com fruit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash fruit.
1: But your happy price price line
0: stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color. Listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash fruit. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash fruit. We're back. Remind us, Beth, who is our subject?
1: Today, we're talking about the Cook Brothers, two black men who were brothers and committed a series of at least nine rapes and murders in the Toledo, Ohio area between 1973 and 1981.
0: All right. Before we get into it, we're going to talk about some stats. Here we go. all right so the known murder victims rest in power y'all rest in power Ricky yeah. lynn small 22 thomas gordon 24 connie sue thompson 19 don renee backus 12 years old jesus scott moulton 21 and denise Siatkowski, 22 daryl cole 21 and stacy balanek 21 and peter sawicki Um, They have nine plus victims, so there uh, are likely more. Their crimes took place from 1973 to 1981 in Ohio. Uh, They were apprehended in October of 1982, uh, and all victims were white, which is significant. Uh, And death begats death, but by the state, (laughs) it's a different story. 52% of death row individuals are Black. Um, Since 1977, 21 white people were accused of killing black people, and they were all executed. Yet black people make up only thirteen percent of the population, and fourteen percent if you're being generous. Yeah. Uh, so uh, same time frame, different stats. There are were two hundred ninety five black people accused of killing white people, uh, and they have been executed. Wow.
1: That, that's yeah. enormous. That's
0: an enormous number.
1: Yeah.
0: Now uh, they not new to this. They true to this. Uh, and And when we when uh, back when I was researching this case, uh, there was the hashtag Free Julius for Julius Jones. And um, he has actually. Uh, had his death row sentence commuted by the state um, as of now. Um, And he still has to fight to clear his name, but he is out of jail and off of death row. So um, only bring that up because it's relevant to the death row um, Conversation. conversation. Yes. So now let's get into the setting, Beth. Take us there. Well, the setting is Toledo, Ohio between 1973 and
1: 1981. Toledo sits on the mouth of the Maumee River in Northwestern Ohio, which connects to Lake Erie. It is about 55 miles southwest of Detroit, Michigan and is the seat of Lucas County in Ohio.
0: Oh, Toledo was founded. Holy Toledo. It was founded (laughs) in an area referred to as the Great Black Swamp. Why it got to be black? I don't know <laughs> which is primarily marshland and originally controlled by the Wyandot, Ojibwe, Potawatomi, and Ottawa peoples. By the way, the word Ottawa comes from the Algonquin term Adawe meaning to trade. And this was the name given to the people who controlled the trade of waterways. Nice.
1: The land where Toledo currently stands was acquired for European settlement by the usual treaty methods in 1795. So treaty, aka agree to give us your land or we'll commit mass genocide on your people.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. But not
1: a lot of settlers moved into the area because of the difficulty in traversing the marshland. It was still desirable by the Europeans in power, though, because it allowed them to gain control of the trading pathways.
0: Jeez. When, when you see colonization, right? I just highlighted this page that we're reading. Right. It's, rid- it's just ridiculous Yeah. Uh, in the mid-1800s Toledo began to grow in population And manufacturing when it became a major Shipping and railroad destination As a stop along the Erie Canal Which allowed a connection between the Great Lakes And the Atlantic for commerce So, um, Beth <clears throat> Can you sing the Erie Canal song That you learned when you went to school In Rochester, New York <laughs> This is Minnie's
1: diabolical request <laughs>
0: I'm waiting. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) I've got a mule and her name is Sal. 15 miles on the Erie Canal. She's a good old worker and a good old pal. 15 miles on the Erie Canal. We hauled (laughs) some barges in our day. Filled with lumber, coal, and hay. We Mm. know every inch of the way. Hey! From Albany to Buffalo. (laughs) Yow! (laughs) <laughs> so uh yeah we lived in rochester new york and they were very proud to be living on the erie canal
0: were they now did yeah. they ever mention the genocide uh, oh, no 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 nope get nope. out of here not, Okay. Not <laughs> once. and they made a song about it thank you beth <laughs> you're that welcome was phenomenal <laughs> Now, as as, uh, as settlement grew, Toledo's marshland was drained and converted into dry land.
1: During Toledo's heyday in the late 1800s, early 1900s, it was a manufacturing hub where an abundance of jobs attracted immigrant workers, creating a multicultural environment. Toledo's Black population grew and housing available for Black families became scarcer and poorer in quality. Mm-hmm. Some Black families ended up living in boxcars on railroads sightings Wow. Yeah,
0: when, whenever, I mean, uh, Toledo is a spot on the on the Great Migration uh, right. uh, because of the opportunity and f- uh, flee, uh, there was less
1: <laughs> yeah. racial yeah. terror
0: there. So the situation was exacerbated by lack of employment opportunities and brutal segregation tactics when employment was available. In industrial work, Black people accounted for only 2% of the total workforce. Of those employed, all were in semi-skilled or cleaning-slash- janitorial positions.
1: Toledo was hit hard during the Great Depression when loss of manufacturing led to high unemployment and economic crisis. By 1937, because of blatant discrimination, Black folks were unemployed at 33 percent, while white folks were unemployed at only 10 percent.
0: Yeah, it's kind of sad that uh, our nation, when describing unemployment, has to do these Differ between black and white unemployment, and (laughs) that um, uh, what was that? What was that racist president's name? Which one? I don't know. Which one? Yeah. Uh, Because (laughs) uh, by the way, welcome to Culture Corner. Uh, Twelve of the first fifteen or eighteen presidents of the United States owned slaves. By the way, in case you didn't know that, but uh, I think it was Donald Trump. He was like, unemployment for black people has, has been great since slavery. Uh, <laughs> wow! Uh, so, thank you uh, learning
1: about the Great Depression, um, they always give a number of unemployed people during the Great Depression. It's always very high, but uh-huh. um, they don't break it out. So interesting. In in this one, it's broken out between races, and it's it, the disparity is just—it's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I you- bet it's the same throughout the country.
0: Yep. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, that's why she's my favorite white lady. <laughs> no, uh, during But during World War II, a boom in manufacturing brought jobs back to the area, and there was a large influx of Black workers during the second Great Migration. Such occurred because of a shortage of workers creating employment and manufacturing jobs which were not previously available to Black workers. As many of these jobs were in the Midwest, in places like Toledo and Detroit, this resulted in a large migration of Black Americans from the South to the Midwest. In 1954,
1: the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Brown versus Board of Education that separate is inherently unequal and Mm. proclaimed state-sanctioned segregation of public schools violates the 14th Amendment. Some Toledo schools were already integrated with the population of Scott High School being approximately 50% Black and 50% White.
0: I think that's a good, fair number, right? 50-50. Uh, In 1957, students at Scott High School elected Janet Quinn as their homecoming queen. She was Black. In response, white students burned her in effigy. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, The New York Times picked up the story, and it ran nationally. Thirteen years later, when Toledo University crowned its first Black homecoming queen, she was presented with wilted flowers. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay, so I will not be going to Ohio.
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay. Got it. During the 1950s, the area's population began to rapidly shift to Toledo's suburbs during a period of white flight. Mm. Downtown leaders... Tried to improve the downtown area to stop the exodus, but the suburbs proved too attractive for the haves. Construction of expressways by the late 1960s made it even easier for those who wanted to live in the suburbs, leaving behind an urban core to the have nots, many of them black and brown people.
0: My, my, my. Uh, your racism is showing. <laughs> it's playing over and
1: over again in all the <laughs> oh, cities. Yeah,
0: and it. even even to this day, um, yeah. again, there. So I found a map.
1: Of Toledo, Ohio, is like an interactive map, and Uh you can see like different the demographics in different portions of the city. And the core of the city is black, pretty black. uh And uh as you move outward, it gets more and more white. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think people should consider looking at their own cities where they live and what what that looks like. Um, You can also look up, type in your city plus sign. Redlining, And you can see where you live in relation to the redlining lines. Uh, red, red means there's Black people that live there and your home value is lower. Um, and uh, green means good. Green means white. And you can see sort of um, how that is significant to this day so. um, But by the late 1970s, Toledo was one of many cities like Detroit badly affected by the Rust Belt era. This was a time during which the Midwest of the United States experienced loss of manufacturing jobs due to the move of manufacturing to other parts of the United States or out of the U.S. completely. Many areas that had relied heavily on manufacturing for their economy suffered. Today in
1: Toledo, Ohio, 38.5% of Black residents, 33.3% Percent of Asian residents and thirty three point seven percent of Latinx residents live below the poverty line. Compare that to eighteen point seven percent of white residents, which is still higher than the national average of ten point three percent, but wow. not as high as what the black and brown folks suffer.
0: Okay, um, you know you brought up Brown v. the Board, Board of Education earlier, right. and it just makes me think. I don't know if you've seen the clip lately of. One of my heroes, who is not perfect, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, who commented on Colin Kaepernick kneeling, and um, she believed it was stupid, and hmm. criticized him for kneeling because um, he she oh man she basically called him an uppity nigger without oh, saying man.
1: Oh, she man. said
0: he should have been he should be more grateful. Because he is living in, in a time um, that is better than his grandparents and and the and the black people who came better, before him. It's better. It's
1: better than it was for your grandparents. Yeah. Even though it still sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And that's
0: I, bullshit. I, <laughs> that, I, that makes I, yeah. me
1: very disappointed. Yeah. It's.
0: I, yeah. Sorry. I'm, i know. She, I. 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 I well, she I, was. She was better for
1: women, but uh, yeah, maybe yeah. not so much uh, black women.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's that. But it's just it's just something to think about. Yeah, yeah. maybe things are a little bit better, you know, but it, when you look at the numbers, as Beth just described this, these percentage numbers between black residents, any by bi, actually BIPOC in general black and yeah. people of color compared to uh, white is um, there's uh, disparity. It's not good. Yeah. It's not good. Uh, so the rest of. Part of the Rust Belt is a reference to the manufacturing plants in these areas being abandoned and left to rest, ultimately leading to population loss, economic downturn, and urban decay. Not to be confused with the makeup that you can <laughs> you can buy at Sephora. <laughs> wow, Minnie! You did it again! <laughs> And where there's urban decay, you can bet there will be murder, right? Yes, absolutely. Crime, murder, all those things uh, are directly linked to suffering. So, now let's get into the Cook brothers' early life. It was difficult to find
1: much detail about the young lives of the Cook brothers on the interwebs, but we do know that the brothers were both born in Mobile, Alabama. Anthony in 1949 and Nathaniel in 1958. Mm. Mobile was legally racially segregated until 1964, so their young lives were likely negatively affected by racial discrimination.
0: Yeah, their lives and their parents' lives, which likely affect how they... Affected how they were raised. Right. Uh, even though Mobile was actually relatively progressive for a city in the South at that time, with the police force and one local college becoming integrated in the 1950s. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's something. I wonder if. Yeah, uh, there's probably a lot there, but it's something progress and the <laughs> voluntary the voluntary desegregation of buses and lunch counters in 19 by 1963, still schools and many other institutions had remained segregated.
1: The change happened for Mobile Schools after 1963 when three black students filed a suit for being denied admission to the local Murphy High School. The suit was a success as it had already been a decade since the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Brown v. Board of Education in 1954 that segregation in public schools was unconstitutional. The students were admitted to the high school for the 1964 school year. And uh, by the way, when Minnie and I lived in Florida in 1976, the local governments there were still having to forcibly integrate schools. Mm. Most of the white families in our neighborhood avoided it by sending their kids to private white schools.
0: Wow. But our parents
1: were in favor of integration, so we were bused to mostly black schools. And uh, (laughs) it seems crazy that even that long after Brown versus Board of Education, that there was still that much resistance to integration. It is crazy. I agree. It was really weird. I didn't know what was going on at the time. Um, I mean, there there was a lot of uh, white families in our neighborhood, and we didn't know any of the kids. Because they all went to uh, private Private schools. Private schools. so uh, Like all the kids that we we knew uh, that that we played with were black. So it was, it was, um, and and, you know, I just didn't really even think about it until later.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Can your parents adopt me too? <laughs> oh my God. I just, I, I, shout out. Your parents obviously were revolutionary. Great people.
1: They were, um, they were liberal for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. But you know, I hear the word liberal. Welcome to culture corner. And there is Martin, Martin Luther King warned black people, be careful of white liberals because um, they will say they are for all this stuff. But when it really affects them, when the rubber meets the road, they Maybe are going to so get much. too uncomfortable. Yeah. And yeah. so when when somebody says, "Oh, I'm liberal," I'm like, and then they're white, I'm like, mm, "What are you though?" Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. your parents, your parents were about it, about it. Like, <laughs> their parents obviously were real. Part were part
1: they were, yeah,
0: yeah. The good it, ones. They
1: weren't just like uh, I'm liberal politically. It was yeah. just part of who they were. It
0: was in action, yes. Yeah. And I, th- I think, I think that that is really what. Uh, that is why your your parents trained you to be good allies. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, this is they were good is, people
1: for sure. Oh my yeah.
0: god! I want to- <laughs> Oh, can I be a better? Can, oh, my God. Is there a better word for best friend? Is there a stronger word? Oh my, God, oh my insides are, are like warm and fuzzy. Um, also, Brown v. Board of Education forced governments to uh, have schools integrate, but right. they only forced the kids they yeah. didn't force the teachers right. they didn't force the administrators right. and so some would argue that the brown v. board of education was monumental but it wasn't done um it wasn't adequate uh yeah. in its in practice and so right. if if there had been uh, integration at all of the levels of education we might be looking at a completely different country at this at this stage right. you know right. um but yeah Nice try, America. Anyway, this was, <laughs> this was the racial climate that the Cook family, which included nine children, moved away from when they left Mobile, uh, Mobile, Alabama. They might have had a better chance and a more positive future when they migrated to Toledo during the second Great Migration, but the parents ended up divorcing after the move, their father leaving the children with their mother. Anthony and
1: Nathaniel's mother was unemployed and left to care for her nine children. Children without the support of their father. I can't even imagine how oh. hard that would be. Woo! Yeah. Growing up in a broken, unsupported family made childhood even more difficult for the cooks, and they began to act out more aggressively as they grew older.
0: Anthony's oldest brother, Hayes Cook II, was convicted of rape and went to prison. Anthony dropped out of school and purportedly became involved in street crime, though he wasn't convicted of any crimes until after the murders started. Both Anthony and Nathaniel were employed as long haul truckers during the time of the murders.
1: Hi, podcast listeners. I'm Carol Costello, a former CNN anchor and national correspondent. This January, I'm launching a podcast
0: about one of the first cases I ever covered as a journalist. It's one that stuck with me all of these years, the one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. It's a true crime series about an amazing woman named Phyllis Cottle, who defied torture and death and brought a fierce rage to the quest to find her attacker.
1: Carol Costello presents Blind Rage. as a production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at KillerPodcast.com.
0: Get ready for your starring role in a thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes, danger and romance.
1: That's right. It's June's Journey. And you play June Parker, an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries.
0: Ooh, you'll put your powers of observation to the test. Sharpen your sleuthing skills, find objects and claim rewards. The visuals are
1: fire. It's like a party for your eyeballs (laughs) as you play this thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes with danger and
0: romance in full force. Whether you're craving a good mystery or just need to get away for a while, June's Journey is the perfect game for you. It really is a sweet escape. I like to play when I need a mental pick-me-up. There is a detective in all of us. Find your inner detective. Download Juden's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Now we're going to get into the timeline. What do you got, Beth? The known
1: murders began on December 20th, 1973, when Anthony Cook, then aged 24, offered a ride to 22-year-old Vicki Small. She and some friends were having car trouble as Anthony happened to drive by. He stopped as if to help, pretending to be concerned, and then succeeded in talking Vicky into his car, offering her a ride and to find help for the others.
0: He then took her to another location where he raped and then shot her, dumping her body in Ottawa Park, northwest of downtown Toledo. Nathaniel was 15 at the time, and there is no evidence that he was involved with this crime.
1: Anthony then went to prison for six years on an unrelated conviction of armed robbery, so there was a lengthy pause to the killings. But it didn't take him long to take up his murder habit again after he was released from prison in 1979. By then, his younger brother Nathaniel had grown up, so Anthony began to recruit
0: his help with his crimes. I'm reaching my arm out like I'm going to do heroin. Uh <laughs> It's time for my fix. Uh, So on May 14th, 1980, Anthony, now age 31, and Nathaniel, now age 22, attacked 24-year-old Thomas Gordon and his 18-year-old girlfriend, Sandra Podgorski, on Utica Street, northeast of Toledo's downtown core. They abducted the couple and
1: used the couple's car to drive them to the woodlands west of the city where they shot Gordon, then raped and stabbed Sandra several times with an awl. An awl is a woodworking or leatherworking tool that resembles an ice pick. What? Yeah. So they stabbed her with the awl, leaving her after she feigned death. Sandra survived, but uh, Gordon didn't.
0: With an ice pick?
1: Yeah, pretty much. That's horrifying. I know.
0: Uh, Almost a year later, on January 3rd, 1981, they picked up 19-year-old Connie Sue Thompson of Temperance, Michigan, who was hitchhiking on Cherry Street. Hitchhiking. Remember when that was okay? Yeah. Yeah. A major roadway northeast of downtown Toledo.
1: They both raped her and then stabbed her 43 times with the all and then dumped Connie Sue's body in a culvert near the area where Thomas Gordon was murdered and Sandra Podgorski was attacked the previous year. Connie's body was wasn't discovered until January 17th, two weeks after she was killed.
0: I'm sorry, I know you've explained this to me before, but a culvert is a ditch with water? I think it's like a tunnel. It's like
1: a pipe that goes under...
0: We've had a conversation about it before. (laughs) I'm like, what?
1: Yeah.
0: It's like a pipe
1: or an opening that goes um, underneath something.
0: Oh, okay. um, So out of a horror movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: There you go. Perfect. Uh, So on January 27th, 1981, Anthony approached 18 year old Cheryl Bartlett and her fiance, Bud Coates, as they were walking home together after his late evening shift at Kroger, threatening them with a gun Anthony demanded money and was soon joined by his brother, Nathaniel. The brothers forced the couple into an alley and then a garage where they raped Cheryl. Then they forced the couple to hold each other tightly and then shot Cheryl in the back and left. Oh, my God. The couple actually survived, though Cheryl
1: had to have 20 surgeries, 20 surgeries. Fuck. She thinks that the brothers only had one bullet and had thought that they could kill both her and Bud with one shot if they were embracing each other tightly enough.
0: That thought is, let that sit with you because that's horrifying. Yeah. So one of the brothers, she believes it was Nathaniel, as uh, he called the other one Tony, told Bud to hold her tightly because it was the last time he would ever be able to hold her. But because the bullet shattered in Cheryl Bud was not hit by it.
1: Less than a month later, on February 21st, 1981, Anthony abducted 12-year-old Don Renee Backus as she was walking home after a mix-up regarding her ride home from the games arcade at a local pizza parlor and entertainment venue called Fat Daryl's.
0: Oh, Fat Daryl's. Oh, that sounds so fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a sad story. This yeah. Is- part um so anthony forced her into his car then went to pick up nathaniel
0: um i just had my daughter's birthday party at a at a pizza place and there's kids everywhere people walking in and out it, it, yeah. it would almost it's almost too easy um for something like this to happen at, yeah. a, at, a, at a really crowded place with a lot of kids um so together the brothers drove dawn to the abandoned state theater where they raped and tortured her for several hours. They then killed Dawn by hitting her several times on the head with a brick block, leaving her in the basement of the abandoned theater. Her body wasn't found until the following Wednesday.
1: It seemed this was enough for Nathaniel as his participation in the murders then ceased. And uh, yeah, that that is enough.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Yeah, um, yeah it just... We've talked about this before when um, murderous couples or teams get together right. like at what what how did at the what conversation yeah. begin
1: <laughs> like let's do this
0: and yeah. then at what point are you like nah not You're for me you fucked up dude you know what no nope.
1: <laughs> <Like>, you know <laughs> B- killing you those other people was, <laughs> was okay but this one not so much yeah, nope. yeah.
0: <laughs> i'm out yes
1: <laughs> the following month on march 27th 1981 anthony acted on his own and abducted 21 year old scott moulton and 22-year-old Denise Siutkowski. after they left the supermarket where they both worked.
0: They were supposed to have met some co-workers at a restaurant nearby after work, but their co-workers never saw them alive again. Anthony raped Denise and then forced both Denise and Scott into the trunk of Denise's car where he shot them both several times in the head.
1: A week after their murder, they were discovered dead in the trunk of the abandoned car at an apartment complex that was less than a quarter mile from the supermarket where they both worked. Evidence showed that they had to have already been inside the trunk when they were shot. And it appeared that Scott had been shot first, as police found Denise's hand covering the wound in Scott's head.
0: Oh, my
1: God. Yeah,
0: I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's... Really, let's, we're gone. let's gone. This is really hard. <laughs> This is sad. Oh. Yeah. On August 2nd, 1981, Anthony then abducted 21-year-old Daryl Cole and 21-year-old Stacy Balanek. He sexually assaulted Stacy and beat them both to death with a baseball bat that he found in the car. They were later discovered in the trunk of Cole's car.
1: The last murder occurred on September 18, 1981, when Anthony, again alone, attacked 20-year-old Leslie Sawicki and 21-year-old Todd Sabo as they exited Todd's van just after they had arrived and parked at the Terrace View Apartments, which were in Toledo, but on the border of Ottawa Hills.
0: Anthony displayed a gun and forced Leslie to tie up Todd with uh, some wire intending to sexually assault Leslie. He forced her back into the van, gagged, and undressed her. As Anthony was removing his own clothing, Todd managed to get free and wrestle the gun away from him while telling Leslie to go get help. Leslie fled to the
1: Terrace View apartment complex to find a phone as cell phones were not readily available at this time. I don't think they were available well, really much the 80s. at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so, it's you the know. 80s. Everything um, <laughs> is fucked up in the 80s.
1: <laughs> from the apartment of a resident in the complex, Leslie Leslie called the Ottawa Hills Police Station.
0: The police station was less than a quarter of a mile from the scene, but the Ottawa Hills Station didn't send any of their officers because the scene of the crime was technically in Toledo, Ugh, which was out trash. of their jurisdiction. Messy
1: Jesus I'm telling you. Leslie then called her father, 43-year-old Peter Sawicki, who also happened to own the building and was a prominent real estate developer in the area. After hanging up the phone with Leslie, Peter told his wife to call the Toledo police, and then he made his way over to the apartment complex.
0: Meanwhile, Leslie called the Ottawa police station again to try to get a better response. They ended up referring the call to the Toledo police, but because of the delays with the Ottawa police, Peter Sawicki arrived at the apartment complex before the Toledo police did. Trash! Basura! Garbage! No!
1: (laughs) Peter fought with Anthony, but Anthony managed to retrieve the gun, after which he shot Todd, then shot Peter and killed him. Todd survived the attack, but because of the delays, by the time the Toledo police arrived, Anthony had already shot Todd, murdered Peter, and fled the scene. So police were unable to apprehend him at the scene.
0: Uh, This is very frustrating. Absolutely. No, no words. Thank you for putting frustrating in my mouth. Uh, So now we're going to get into the investigation and the arrest. So two weeks after the attack on Leslie and Todd, Anthony was turned in by an informant. He was staked out by the police and they pulled him over while he was driving his pickup truck. They had anticipated a struggle, but Anthony surrendered himself without attempting to evade them.
1: Interesting. Detective Frank Stiles was the lead investigator during the time of the murders. He also wrote a book on the murders called Evil Brothers, A True Crime Story. In his words, quote, I've never gotten over this case. Other cases I've been able to walk away from, but this case has haunted me for 40 years, unquote. And uh, same girl, same.
0: Hey, uh, right there with you. So one of the things Frank Stiles struggled with was connecting the brothers to the other crimes. He did feel that they were connected, but it wasn't until 1997 that DNA evidence. Hello, DNA. (laughs) Whenever there's a terrible true crime story and I hear the word DNA, I'm relieved. DNA saves the day. Yeah. So uh, it, it wasn't until 1997 that DNA evidence was able to finally link the brothers to them.
1: The DNA connection was finally made when Lucas County prosecutor Julia Bates attended a conference on DNA in October of 1997. She contacted Frank Stiles, who had retired in 1990, and expressed her thoughts that DNA from the murders might be used to finally solve them. Frank let Julia know which crimes he suspected that the cooks committed, so that evidence from those crimes could be tested for DNA.
0: She attended a conference, yeah. uh, but I I just watched Jurassic Park. So, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, J- Jurassic Park really did it would for have, me. But if, have, the, yeah,
1: if uh, you, yeah,
0: yeah, Julia. Okay, <laughs> the conference, great. But did you see Jurassic Park? Uh, so there turned out to be usable DNA. That had been collected in 1980 from the rape of Sandra Pedragorski, who had survived her attack. The DNA samples matched both Nathaniel and Anthony Cook, which successfully placed them at the scene of Thomas Gordon's murder, who was Sandra's boyfriend at the time she was attacked. So now we're going to get into the trial. What do you got, Beth? There
1: likely would have been more murders in this case, but Anthony was arrested and convicted for the murder of Peter Sawicki, who, as we mentioned, was a prominent real estate developer in the area.
0: The trial of Anthony Cook for the murder of Peter Sawicki occurred relatively quickly after his arrest and resulted in an easy conviction back in 1982. He was still serving time for that murder when Julia Bates learned of the possibility of using DNA for the other murders. Once the DNA match was made, both brothers were charged in connection with the murder of Thomas Gordon. As Anthony was already serving a
1: life sentence without the chance of parole for the 1981 murder of Peter Sawicki, he wanted to spare his brother the same. In order to avoid a trial, a plea deal was arranged, which involved Anthony confessing to the murder of Thomas Gordon and to the involvement in eight other murders in exchange for a lesser sentence for Nathaniel.
0: I mean, I get it. It's my brother. But, right. yeah, interesting. So Nathaniel confessed only to having a role in three murders. I only did. Th- I only killed three I people. I only killed like, three people. So, yeah, it's not that you know, bad. it's not that bad. I mean, <laughs> the Kyle Rittenhouse of it all. So the brothers were required to provide details about the murders as part of the plea deal. In April of 2000, the plea was accepted.
1: Anthony Cook pleaded guilty to aggravated murder in the 1980 shooting of Thomas Gordon. He was sentenced to life in prison for that killing, though he already was serving a life sentence without the chance of parole for the 1981 murder for which he was previously convicted.
0: Nathaniel Cook pleaded guilty to two counts of kidnapping and one count of attempted murder of Sandra Podgorski. He became eligible for parole in 2018. Mm -hmm. In exchange for the information that they provided on the, the other murders, the Cook brothers were not charged with them. Wow. Anthony said he was involved
1: in nine murders in total, which means that he either killed the victims or encouraged his brother to do so.
0: So Julia Bates said she accepted the plea deal because it gives the nine victims' families some peace of mind. The families of the victims had been consulted for their approval of the plea deal. They had agreed, though some had done so reluctantly.
1: They came to the agreement on it because the plea deal guaranteed prison time for both of the brothers, taking them off the street for sure rather than gambling on a trial, and it provided answers about who killed their loved ones.
0: Anthony Cook is believed to be responsible for 11 killings and 11 rapes. Nathaniel Cook is believed to be behind four murders and four rapes. There were also likely other crimes and murders not listed here, but to which the brothers were never linked.
1: And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching
0: stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. So now we're going to get into where are they now? Well, this is from Minnie. (laughs) she says who
1: the fuck cares (laughs) and then she says jk jk (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anthony Cook is alive and currently is 72 years old. He was already serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole for the murder of Peter Sawicki in 1981 when he was given a second life sentence for the murder of Thomas Gordon. So he's not getting out of prison anytime soon.
0: Uh, he did file a motion for parole in 2015, but was denied. I'm not sure how this works for someone who is serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole to file a motion for parole, but apparently you can do that. Uh, And he is, however, not allowed to file another one until 2025. If he lives until then, uh, he will be 76 years old at that time. He
1: is currently serving time at Chilicothe Correctional Institution in Ross County, Ohio. This is a medium security prison that used to be a military camp. Wow. Fun fact, Charles Manson was also imprisoned there in 1952. And Anthony Sowell, the Cleveland Strangler, was also imprisoned there until Whoa. he became criminally ill and he died on February 8th,
0: 2021. Wow. Okay. Nice. Uh, popular, popular joint. Popular prison. This joint yeah. is jumping. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as for Nathaniel Cook Hey, guess what? He's still alive He's 63 years old now And is now out living With oh, the what? regular degular oh Folks God. of Ohio No Shit. Way, Uh, He was released from prison on August 10th, 2018, as agreed to by his plea deal. Wow. And by the time of his release, he had served 18 years in Allen Oakwood Correctional Institution in Lima, Ohio. Whoa.
1: Nathaniel is listed as a sex offender now, actually classified as a sexual predator, as he should be, Mm -hmm. and is required to register his address every 90 days. He was required to wear a GPS bracelet during the first year following his release lease but that time has now passed so he is no longer tracked that way he is however forbidden to go to areas with crowds of children and it's now been over three years since he was released and so far as far as we know he seems to be following those rules
0: okay uh so now we're gonna get into what we think uh made these individuals snap and in our takeaways So according to our writer, Minnie, these are her thoughts and we thank you for them. A few of the articles that she has read said that Anthony's mistreatment by white guards when he was in prison for armed robbery sparked his anger at white people and caused him to select white victims. But that doesn't explain his first known rape and murder, which happened before he was sent to prison for the first time. And, but, uh, it seems like too simple of an explanation to Minnie. Uh, and I, I, uh, I agree. I, th- I yeah. think, you know, we know there was
1: something there before that. Yeah. yeah.
0: There may be something there that wasn't there before. <laughs> yes. So
1: once the cook family moved to Ohio, uh, the father left the family and their mom had nine kids to raise by yeah, herself. Nine that's, kids. Yes. That has uh, to have been unimaginably difficult. I yeah. can't, I. Yeah. I can't, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, yep, 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 yep. So the pro- the brothers probably didn't get the attention or support or maybe even food that they needed. Right. And yeah. understandably so, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's rough.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about the numbers, the, yeah, the unemployment yeah. numbers, right. the poverty numbers. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, that doesn't explain it.
1: Uh, lots of folks grow up in difficult circumstances and never, ever kill anyone. Oh, uh, right. But it does. Uh, show what the cook brothers were working with as Mm. they were growing up Mm -hmm. and their older brother hayes was convicted of rape and then anthony um committed a rape Mm -hmm. so there was sexual violence in the family i think there had
0: to have been yeah i don't know
1: how normalized it was or where it came from but it but it was there yeah i don't know from slavery (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah that's probably legit Mm. um I don't know that Nathaniel would have committed any of these types of crimes without Anthony who was right. almost a decade older than him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Anthony was the instigator and yeah. being so much older um than his brother, he probably had a lot of sway over yeah. Nathaniel. I didn't
0: I didn't uh, realize the age difference, but you're yeah. right. It yeah. was like
1: nine nine years, yeah. So almost a decade, and mm-hmm. so he probably had a lot of uh, sway over Nathaniel. Um, uh-huh. and and then once they tortured and killed a twelve-year-old girl, twelve. Yep, she was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that seemed to have been enough for Nathaniel. He he's like, I'm out. I'm yeah. outy. Yeah. Um, it should have been enough earlier than that, but uh, there you go. Yeah. There you yeah. Go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> as
1: far as why they chose white people to kill, it was probably due to the racism that they experienced. That's just yeah. my guess.
0: Yeah. And proximity, too. Yeah. Right. I mean, Ohio. Yeah. You're not There's like, Whoa, let me go to yeah. Ohio for the diversity. For all the, the <laughs> black folks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: um I recently read an article about a black man who experienced a lot of racism at a GM plant where he worked in Toledo uh-huh. and you would have thought this happened in like 1960 or something Yeah um someone wrote whites only next to the bathroom door no the white men called him boy Ugh. and the n-word told him to go back to africa no and multiple, multiple nurses nooses were left hanging in the are plant. you
0: fucking kidding me no
1: and and this did not happen in 1960 it happened in 2018 oh my god oh
0: my god so oh. imagine
1: what mm-hmm. it was like in the 60s and 70s so it was like Ooh. even worse yeah so, yeah that's going to have an effect and and foster anger towards white people.
0: Absolutely. And and, and not just anger, but uh, I mean, it's terror. It's terrorizing. Racism is terrorizing it. And the numbers are in y'all it affects your mental health. It affects your brain. It affects the wiring. It affects your emotions. It is everything, um, everything. And so, uh, I not to excuse. Uh, murder, right? Like, no, I, I we're, we're not excusing. We're not in the no, business no. of
1: excusing murder here. We're no, just like looking it's an at an explanation. But it is an, ex- it yeah. is an, ex-
0: uh, these factors are definitely an explanation. Right. Uh, and I, I, I think it was racism. And allow me to expra- explain. Explain. Okay. They grew okay. up in the segregated South in the forties right. and fifties. Their grandparents were likely enslaved people, and there was a law in October 1705 that. Virginia Virginia passed uh, stating that if a master happened to kill a slave who was undergoing correction, it wasn't a crime. Uh, And most of the people guilty of doing these killings, uh, these accidental killings were white women and um, black women uh, who had no agency over their uteruses. So they could have birthed, you know, dark children or light skinned children. And if they were raped by their owner, um, you know, they had to, you know, treat their dark-skinned children differently versus their light-skinned um, um, children. So, right. you know, like if if a, a, a an enslaved woman was working in the house and one of her dark-skinned children came came in for whatever reason, she had to treat that children that child um, poorly. Um, so there's you know there's there's that. But I'm just scratching the surface, and all these yeah, thoughts just yeah. popped into my head when when researching this case. But I've seen the generational horror that enslavement can play out within a family, including abuse and sexual abuse. These, these, rape, rape is something that white men seem to do with impunity. Um, and, uh, we're all, um, Products of it, right? Um, If I were to do a a DNA um, uh, test uh, and find out my ancestry, it's very likely that I will have white European ancestry because of rape. Woo! Uh, And so these horrific things do have generational, um, ramifications and curses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think again, not an excuse, but I think certainly an, an explanation. explanation to yeah. the horrific things that these brothers did. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, you know, the things that it, it, it is, it, it's really interesting that an older brother of theirs also was convicted of rape. And I think, um, I think, uh, those, those are learned behaviors, right? right? We don't, we don't, I think hurting people is something that people learn to do and hurt yeah. people, hurt other people. Right. Um, so those are my thoughts on this case, which is a really horrifying yeah, it case. Was a really I can't awful, believe awful I've case. never heard of this before. Yeah. Yeah. Have you? No. Oh, do you, true crime? No,
1: this is the first time I heard of this Whoa. one. Yeah.
0: Yes, and um it was suggested by one of our listeners. That's uh, this is all listener uh, yeah. everything we're doing these days is listener, listener suggestions. So thank you yep. so much yeah. um for bringing this case to light. It gives us an opportunity to talk about some really interesting things. So right. now we are going to get into how not to get murdered. So, if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. Ooh. This
1: segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences.
0: OK, so this came to us from Ninira on Instagram recently um, and then a Facebook page. Post went viral telling people to update their voicemail um, if their battery was going low. And this is not good advice. Right. It is actually terrible and will not work. <laughs> and uh, we yeah, we would like to ask you sometimes the internet is great and sometimes it is really terrible. We want you to not follow this advice. Yeah. And we're gonna clarify why it's bad and suggest other options. So Stay, first of all, if your phone is, you have your phone on you and you are stranded. Stay with your vehicle. Stay near a road or a trail. If you have any battery live, life left, send a text message. It only takes a fraction of a second of data reception to get that message out. And this has a much better chance to make it through than updating your voicemail. Yeah. I don't even know how to do that. Right. So uh, why is the circulated post meme or, uh, or uh, the post itself poor advice? Well, here's why. Anything you using your voice on your phone uses up far more battery than a text or an SMS. Do not use voice if your battery is running low. Uh, Again, a detailed text message uses a fraction of the data uh, than a voice message does. And you can transmit using a much weaker signal than a voice call requires. So if you have a weak signal, text, text, text. Voice will not work. Yeah. Um, Let's see. And I thought that
1: was genius how they say, uh, put your phone in airplane mode. Compose the text, take (gasps) it out of airplane mode, and then send it.
0: Whoa! Og of true crime. Thank you. <laughs> well, she it comes wasn't. It wasn't.
1: Time. It wasn't my suggestion.
0: Okay. <laughs> it well, was their
1: suggestion. So. Well,
0: okay. Well, thank you for that. That was fantastic. <laughs> um, let's see. Send compose a text message to all your trusted contacts. Um, make sure the message indicates where you are. Um, bonus points. Apparently, you can. Your text can reveal GPS. Coordinates, uh, and you should also consider um, texting your condition if you need um, that information uh, to be transmitted. Uh, it is far easier for a hasty t- uh, a hasty team to locate a vehicle on a road than to locate a person that has gone off into the bush. So remember yeah. that. Um, when you are happy with your detailed text message, turn it off in airplane mode, as Beth said, and then send take take it off to send. Assuming you told someone where you were going and where you'd be when you'd be back you'd remember to tell someone your plans right so that is yeah, uh, that's also another... a really tell people where you are going yes, and when you are expected to be back that is uh, a very uh, important point and this uh, tip these tips are credited by the scamania County Sheriff's Office uh, search and rescue uh, so it's shout out time. Where we we shout out any content by or about any marginalized, othered, BIPOC people, LGBTQ people, or any true crime goodies. Um, What do you got, Beth?
1: So I wanted to shout out King Richard, the movie about Venus and Serena Williams and their father. It was I, fantastic. I Loved could it. not
0: stop crying. I still yeah. cannot stop thinking about it. I it laughed. Is I fantastic. cried. Yeah.
1: All that stuff. So, oh. yeah, definitely uh, watch that. Uh-huh. Um, how did I watch it? It's was on it HBO on, Max. It's on HBO. Yeah. yeah. So I got, I, I got HBO so I could watch. What did I get it watch? <laughs> Well, there's so many good things. I know. Oh, I got Get it to watch Dune. Succession. I got it. Oh, yeah, I, Dune. I got it to watch Dune. So, um, like, Dune was in the theaters, and so yeah. is King Richard. Yeah. Um it would cost you more to go to the see those two movies in the theaters than it costs you for a month of HBO. So, there right. you go. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, bargains. <laughs> and then also this week I wanted to shout out that NBC is broadcasting Annie Live, yes. um which is uh going to be on December 2nd, I believe is the day this this uh episode. I am episode so excited. Posts. Yes. So, um it'll be tonight. Yes, and the title character Annie is being played by
0: a little black girl. She is so cute. She was on yeah. the Macy's Day Parade, yep. and I saw Harry Connick Jr., who's playing yep. Daddy Warbucks.
1: Yeah, and, and the the rest of the cast looks pretty diverse too. So yeah, uh, I think yeah, that Taraji so P Henson.
0: Oh my gosh, so yeah. exciting! Yes. Yeah. So uh, park, uh,
1: give that a watch. Park your
0: kids, chain your yeah. kids to the couch, so force it's, them to watch it. Yes. It was
1: my fa- my daughter's favorite musical when she was little, and I'm so really? happy to see that it has a diverse cast in this oh. one. yeah.
0: Yeah, well, you know what I realized listening to the lyrics of "It's a Hard Knock Life" is basically my life story. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it (laughs) makes so much sense, so much more sense that Annie would be a A BIPOC little girl. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It really does. Growing up in New York. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's exciting, and the little girl is amazing. I heard Mm -hmm. again. I heard her singing on the Thanksgiving Day parade. She's phenomenal. I would like to shout out black history for white people it's oh, wow. a podcast
1: and wow. it is
0: amazing subscribe yes please <laughs> do it is a really really good podcast and it's it's these white guys um and they um invite uh their black uh, female friend to come on and they just go into the history of things and um i started listening pretty heavily um, when I was anticipating the um Kyle, the outcome of the Kyle right. Written House trial. Like, what how did we get here? And yeah. that's really what they get into. How nice. did we get here? And so uh subscribe to that. It's yep. wherever you Just get subscribe. your podcast. Yes. Thank you. So uh that is King Richard on HBO and HBO Max and Annie Live broadcasting on NBC as well as Black History for White People, which is a podcast. Oh boy, what a mouthful. That's it for today, Beth. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this has been fun. I've missed you up in Canada. Can't wait to see you again. But uh, in the meantime... If I can't see you in person, where can the people (laughs) find us?
1: Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod. And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. And links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App. Just Google Fruit Loops Pod Cash App, or you can become a monthly patron through Podbean. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. And as always, we have merch for sale on our
0: website. That is correct. Now, this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, y'all. It's crazy out there. Have you ever wondered about things that go bump in the night or objects in the sky or other things you just couldn't explain? Then join me, Jim Moward, on my podcast, The Moward Report. Each week, you'll find engaging conversations with guests who are authors, historians, and scholars who lend their expertise as we discuss current events and venture into the fringe and paranormal. The Moward Report hits controversies head on, yet remains conversational and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platform.